This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Go. Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tagger? The neutral zone. Oh, oh my God. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. Okay, I'm going to start this week's show kind of on a weird note, and that's because something's been really bothering me, and I'll tease you as to what's been bothering me, and then I'll bring in my two co-hosts for the day. But I've been watching the Olympic Games on record because I'm getting older and I can't do the all-nighters that I used to do. So I've been watching them on record, and I was watching the uh, Canadian uh, soccer team play Brazil, and something about that has really bothered me. So I'll put a pin in it, I'll introduce our host, and then we'll come back to it. Joining us this week is Josh Watson. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well, Brock. It is Friday. The Blue Jays are actually at home in Toronto. Oh my goodness. And we've also got the Major League Baseball trade deadline today. and you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's it's been a good week. That is good. I, I like good weeks. And when we get to Friday, it's kind of cool. It's a long weekend. You know, no programming on Monday. And uh, it's it's all good. It's all good. Claire, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. I actually got on the ice for the first time in 18 months uh, yesterday. So that, that felt incredible. And yeah, like, like Josh said, uh, the Jays are back at home and I, I was sporting my Jersey today as I, as I went outside for a bit and yeah, there's a different vibe in the city. Everyone's got their Jays gear on and uh, it's, everyone's happy to have the boys back. Yes, indeed. I teased this uh, briefly so the thing that's bothering me about the Olympic Games is that I was watching the uh, soccer game and I hate the fact that a quarterfinal game goes into penalty kicks. That is the equivalent, folks, of a quarterfinal game going into a shootout if you're a hockey fan. It's just, it's not cool it leaves me with kind of an icky feeling and yeah, you know, okay, Canada got it done. It's all good, but it's just weird. It's a weird way to end, you know, a quarterfinal for the team that loses and even wins. I'll let you both comment. Josh, start with you. I can certainly understand your point and I don't particularly like to see any sport end in a shootout, penalty kicks, like, What's next? Are we going to decide baseball games by a home run derby? Like, come on. Let the teams play. Let the teams play. Let them decide it. And if the players don't have the stamina to finish, well, then somebody's going to win faster. Like, I've watched baseball games that have gone 15, 16, 17, 18 innings. And guys just keep going. Now, granted, I will I will say that in my mind, having played hockey, I can't imagine a hockey game going the equivalent of three games. But I mean, yeah, there's just there's something icky and weird and hollow about having uh, a a game end that way. But Congratulations to Canada, and you know what your big reward is for for getting past Brazil? You get the United States. Oh, boy. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't love a United States-Canada match in any sport? Um, Yeah, I I have been, I've not been a fan uh, at all for uh, penalty shot, I mean, sorry, um, shooting in any sport I I think that uh, athletes playing the sports that they do they should be able to go another period or they should be able to play those extra minutes instead of um, I mean the goalies 
in any sport, I believe have such a big disadvantage. Um, they, the bigger the saves are, yes, that's, that's exciting and stuff, but it's, I think the goalies, uh, are put in a position where they, they have a huge disadvantage and I'd rather see, uh, like full five on five or whatever it is in any sport, uh, for another extra 10 minutes or, or 15 minutes much more over than uh, a shootout or or uh, like a penalty shot. Absolutely. Good, I've I'm glad been I'm... in that situation once in, in Sledge where we were trying to make a, a Champions Day and it came down to the second last player on each team and I was able to make the save, but I felt absolutely gutted for that other goalie because their team's now out. And it wasn't really his fault. No, yeah, it's a it's a lot of weight to put on the shoulders of one athlete in any sport. Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels that was a weird ending. But uh, I'm actually glad that Canada won because I would have then come on here and said, "Oh, this is weird," and Canada lost, and it's just weird. No, I would have said it either way. So that's good. There. Let's get into this week's headlines. The Team Canada Women's Softball Program won its first ever medal at the Olympic Games recently after they defeated Mexico in a bronze medal game by a score of 3-2. to two. Uh, Softball made its return to the games since being uh, out of the game since 2008. And as it is exciting that it is in Tokyo, unfortunately, it will not be a part of Paris 2024. Uh, this is unfortunate. It's we will have to wait and see where the future of women's softball goes. Canada is off to a decent start at the Tokyo Olympic Games. They have three gold, three silver, and five bronze for a total of eleven. Penny Alexiak is leading the charge uh, with the most medals as a Canadian so far at this event but Canada is off to a great start and hopefully the next medal can be a bronze medal for bronze or gold for uh, Team Canada soccer we will see as they play the United States at 4 a.m. Eastern on Monday 4 a.m. Wow the Toronto Blue Jays finally make their return home for the first time in almost two seasons 670 days tonight as they take on the Kansas City Royals. As we mentioned off the top, today is also the Major League Baseball trade deadline, where in the days and weeks leading up to it, we have seen the likes of Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, and Brad Hand, and today, Jose Barrios, come in and join the Blue Jays and seen the likes of Rowdy Telez, Joe Panic. Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson be traded out. I, for one, am very excited. The Vegas Golden Knights shocked the entire hockey world Tuesday by trading franchise icon and reigning Vesna Trophy winner Mark Andre Fleury to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, yeah, everyone got blindsided by this. He just won the Vesna. And now he has to up and leave and move. And he found out on Twitter. That's blows my mind. Gymnastics superstar Simone Biles is weighing whether or not to finish out the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. Jim Ryan fills us in. Simone Biles' withdrawal from the team final competition and now from the all-around has shocked the gymnastics world. She says she made the decision for her own mental health. Fellow Olympian swimmer Katie Ledecky says, I understand it. We're at the highest level. We have the most eyes on us of anyone in the world right now. Biles is taking it day by day as to whether she'll compete in the individual events that begin Sunday. Jim Ryan, ABC News at the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. This has come as a shock to many, including myself. Simone is certainly one of the darlings of U.S. gymnastics. But at the end of the day, I support her decision. If you're not feeling mentally or physically, potentially, 
ready for a competition, then you have to have that ability to step aside. Those are our headlines for this week. Let's check on our Twitter poll question from last week. And it relates to the Olympics. Will you be watching the Olympic Games? It was a 50-50 tie. 50% of you said yes, and 50% of you said no, it shouldn't be happening. Since it is after the trade deadline, this week's Twitter poll question is, are you happy with the Toronto Blue Jays post-trade deadline? Your choices are simple, yes or no. With that, we're going to take a break, and we're going to be joined by rugby athlete Travis Morale. And he's also the host of Beyond the Field. We're going to find out all about that right after the break here on The Neutral Zone. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Josh Watson and Claire Buchanan. We're really excited over the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about a show called Beyond the Field, which focuses on para-athletes in in various uh, sports and various ways. And we talk about things beyond the field. To do that, we're going to be joined by Travis Morau, who is one of the hosts alongside Greg Westlake. He comes to us from Toronto, and he is also a Paralympian rugby athlete, and he's a medalist as well. Travis, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, Brock. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's great to be here. and Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get into things with you. Can Can you start then by telling us how the opportunity to become a co-host of Beyond the Field with Greg Westlake became a thing? Well, uh, Ted, um, one of the producers actually contacted me and let me know about the opportunity. And, you know, I had known Greg a little bit just from our parasports background. So uh, it was a great opportunity for me to work with a guy, you know, Greg is so professional. He's so great at, uh, at doing these interviews and, uh, it, yeah, it just kind of fell into place. So it was one of those fortuitous kind of circumstances that happened, but I really enjoyed it and had a lot of fun. For those of us that haven't had a chance to see the program yet, can you give us a bit of a synopsis? So yeah, in the show, me and Greg, um, sit down with various Paralympians uh, and other advocates within sport. And we talk about some of the, some of the hot, button issues going on today uh, we did an episode on on gender identity identity and lgbtq plus inclusion uh, we've done one on racial diversity uh, we've done one on coaching with a disability so i think these are great conversations that need to take place so i'm really happy to be a part of that and be, being a part of moving that conversation forward On this past Monday's episode, you guys interviewed Allison Levine and Lowell Taylor, and the episode focused on mental health. Can you talk a little bit about that episode? I thought that was a really great episode because it's one of those things that really can fall by the wayside when you're thinking about high-performance sport and competing at that highest level. Is, I mean, especially high-performance athletes can you know overlook taking care of their mental well-being and can kind of not see how important it is to have that stable mental base uh, when it comes to consistent performance. So it's one of those areas that we really wanted to have a conversation about and highlight some of the struggles that athletes go through and some of the different ways that, um, and different resources that are available to them. So I thought it was an important conversation. Now, it seems that in the past, mental health has not gotten the amount of attention that it has recently. But certainly, even today, as we talk about Simone Biles, we're hearing about coaches and athletes that are really putting an emphasis on mental health. Why do you think that is? I think today's athlete is 
is able to advocate for themselves in a way that wasn't available to athletes in the past. So I think, I mean, athletes like Simone Biles are taking an incredible leadership role and saying, hey, my mental health is, you know, an incredibly important part of my life, but also a contributor to my performance. And when that's out of whack, you know, I'm going to need, I need some time and space to take a step back and take care of myself, not just for, for the team's well-being, but also my, my own physical well-being. I thought it was an incredibly powerful statement to make, especially, you know, at that, at that stage. We're joined by Travis Morau, who is the ho- one of the hosts of AMI's TV program, Beyond the Field, which you can catch at AMI on Mondays at 8.30. And he's also a rugby athlete. We, you've had the opportunity, Travis, to represent Canada in wheelchair rugby and become a multi-medalist. What are you looking most forward to with only weeks away before we actually head into the Paralympics themselves? Uh, this, the Tokyo games, you know, they're unlike any other, just with COVID with the different training situations we've had to deal with and all the obstacles we've had to overcome. So I think all of us are really just looking forward to getting there, competing, you know, soaking in as much of the games as we can. And I think these ones are going to be especially compelling and exciting just because all of the countries competing there haven't seen or played each other in international competitions for so long. Uh, there's bound to be some unexpected results and, you know, some surprising moments. So I think it's going to be great. Now, everyone knows the Olympics and the Paralympics have been postponed for one full year. What have you learned about yourself as an athlete in that time that you might not otherwise have been able to without this delay? Oh, man, I think... uh... (laughs) COVID has given a ton of time for some self-reflection and some soul searching. So I think I just found out more about what motivates me and what drives me as an athlete where, you know, I, you know, I need some help sometimes and I'm not the best at asking for it. So that was something I definitely had to overcome during COVID where, you know, training on your own is not the easiest thing to do when you're a parasport athlete and you're used to having a, you know, a support team and equipment and a gym and all those things. So I think uh, the most important thing I learned through all this is how to ask for help and, and how to accept it. So um, for our final question, at least in this part, what, how do you like your chances with your team to contend for a medal and possibly bring home the gold? Oh, man, I got to say, I think this extra year of training has has helped out our team, you know, as much as anybody else, where we've got some young players who've got an extra year of training experience. And we're starting to feel a little bit of that magic where we're starting to come together, starting to play some real solid games, feel that chemistry. So I think we're in a prime position to kind of shake things up and to to surprise some teams for sure. Is there something uh, that you're watching for uh, the Olympic games where you're kind of keeping your eye on as for training or just for your own personal knowledge um, moving forward? Or are you just kind of one track mind? Nope. Got to focus on the Paralympic games and that's it. (laughs) You know what? I've got a bit of both. I got to say where, I mean, watching the Olympics and cheering on, you know, fellow athletes, especially ones that we share a training facility with and are friends with. I mean, that's great, but this is also crunch time for us where our eyes really need to be on the prize. We really need to be focused on our preparation and we can't leave anything, you know, we can't leave anything out, especially in the last moments of preparation. So I think it's a balance where you need to enjoy and revel in the Olympian success and cheer them on but also to use that as motivation to keep you focused and training hard and doing all the things that you need to be do to be ready. Is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to with this Paralympics? Maybe it's an experience, maybe it's going to Japan, maybe it's a team you're going to face when you're there. So one of the special things about the Tokyo Paralympics is for me anyways, is that, um, I'm a Japanese Canadian of Japanese descent. So my parents were 
what's called in the Japanese community Nisei. So they were born in Canada to Japanese parent, immigrant parents. And, you know, unfortunately, they were interned during the war. So for me, it's very special to compete in Japan representing Canada, knowing that, you know, there was a time where my parents, my grandparents didn't necessarily feel welcomed in Canada or part of Canada. So for now, for me to be able to put on the Maple Leafs now and be respected and welcomed and, you know, a valued part of the team, I think is uh, it's kind of a cool moment for, for my family. Travis, the other thing that's going to be rather unique about these games is the fact that there's no crowd in any of the games beyond, like, you know, people within the delegations and whatnot. How have you and your team been preparing for the no crowds that have been documented for about a month and a bit now? Well, so luckily um, with COVID, we've had plenty of opportunity to practice playing in front of no crowds where we haven't been able to have uh, any fans in any of our games uh, in preparation. So I think we're all pretty used to it at this point, uh, playing in front of empty gyms and with no no ambient crowd noise. So I don't think it's going to take too much adjusting on that standpoint, but it'll definitely be a new experience for sure to be competing in those giant arenas with nobody there. It's still going to be weird though. Sorry, I missed that. I said it still must be a weird thing to to think about. You're going to the Paralympics and there's going to be nobody watching. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be a surreal experience. I, I bet, but you know, with the social distancing and the partitions and the testing, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things out of the norm. So I think the teams that are going to be able to adapt to those circumstances the best are going to be the ones that are going to succeed. You're going to hear a lot of. Uh metal sounds in rugby very very up close on the television because there will be no uh, crowds drowning that out it's you're going to hear the impact which is something <laughs> that's uh, really nice about rugby is that you hear the impact and the speed that people go at travis really appreciate you taking the time to do this interview and we hope to talk to you down the line maybe when you got a gold medal around your neck that would be lovely that's the goal right <laughs> Well, Absolutely. thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, anytime. And good luck at the games. And uh, we'll talk to you again down the line. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good that weekend. Was, <laughs> you, as, you as well. That was Travis Morau, who is the one of the hosts of Beyond the Field and also a multi-medalist in the sport of wheelchair rugby and will be representing Canada in the upcoming Paralympic Games. Up next... We're going to hear a familiar voice to the network, and that's Devin Wilkins, who's going to come on to discuss a podcast that she has that puts a spotlight on the Paralympics. Hang in. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Josh Watson and Claire Buchanan. Claire, I think we have you now. I think maybe the internet bugs have worked their way out. I'm pretty sure we have you anyways. Yeah, hopefully the uh, technology gods have uh, fixed whatever was going on. So, Yes, it's the beautiful thing about working uh, from home sometimes. The internet in different places just bites us, so it's always fun to keep your finger on it, and uh, hopefully we have you for the second half of the show. Uh, to start off the second half of the show, we're going to be joined by a familiar voice who comes to us uh, from Peterborough. You're also going to be familiar with her from Kelly and Company, as she does their monthly guide dog report, but that's not all she's known for, folks. She also has a podcast that puts a spotlight on the Paralympic Games, and she joins us now to talk about it. And of course, I'm talking about Devin Wilkins. Devin, welcome to our program. It's nice to talk to you over here in the sports world. Well, thanks so much for having me. Nice to be here. 
Yeah, so like we mentioned, you are a contributor to Kelly and Company here uh, with AMI. Can before we get started with your with your other podcast, can you talk a little bit about uh, what your role is with Kelly and Company? Yeah, well, on the third Wednesday of the month at about three fifteen, um, I have a chat with Kelly and Rami or whoever is uh, hosting about. Um, guide dogs and uh, service animals, and uh, I call myself the um, self-appointed messenger from the world of uh, guide dogs and service animals, and uh, so I try to dig up anything that's happening with the uh, various training centers, both here and in the States where a lot of Canadians go anyway uh, to train, and uh, uh, you know, if there's anything uh, that needs updating or any news, especially as we've managed to struggle through the pandemic, where things have been quite quiet. Um, but uh, so anything that's happening, um, I try to uh, uh, update people on that. Now, as we alluded to off the top of the segment, you also have a podcast that focuses on the Paralympic Games which you've done for about 12 years now. Where did the idea for doing this originate from? Um, from my annoyance with the fact that coverage of the Paralympic Games is never as extensive as it is for the Olympics. I love the Olympics, and uh, I, uh, I watch them all the time, but I try to watch the Paralympics and that isn't as easy to do as uh, watching the Olympics. And uh, so I decided to approach um, a radio station, uh, internet radio station based in London, England, that I, I do another show for called Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. And I asked if I could do a show, actually, called Paralympic Update. And um, their suggestion was that I make it into a podcast. Uh, one, because it will be temporary, uh, just uh, for the duration of the uh, Paralympic Games. And two, because uh, the podcast will tend to be of varying lengths because of uh, all depending on the information that I can dig up that day. And uh, so that's where that came from. And uh, uh, when I approached management again this time about doing it, uh, the answer was pretty pleased. So I was encouraged by that. With the games just around the corner, we're talking about the Paralympic Games here. Uh, what could we possibly hear on your podcast for Tokyo? Well, I'm hoping to do as many interviews as I can with athletes like Travis, hopefully. And uh, I'm digging up any articles that I can. And um, then at the end of each podcast, uh, we'll have an up-to-date um, medal count so that we know how things are, are going because I noticed that we don't hear a lot of that uh, during the Olympic Games. So I want to make it as accessible to people as I possibly can. Now, one of the things that you mentioned to us in preparation for this interview was that you had concerns about the number of people pulling out of Tokyo due to a lack of accommodation for some athletes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I was afraid that um, because Paralympians can be a little more um, immunocompromised, that they might pull out. And uh, so I'm happy to hear, or shall I say, I'm happy not to have heard that people, um, too many people have pulled out and uh, that the uh, Paralympic Games are... Uh, hopefully to be as uh, successful as the uh, Olympic Games uh, are at the moment. 
We're joined by Devin Wilkins, who has a podcast called Paralympic Update, which you can get during the games themselves. And she is also a Kelly and Company contributor, where she gives them everything they need to know about guide dogs. And you're listening to the Neutral Zone. And I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Claire Buchanan and Josh Watson. When you think about the Paralympic Games as a whole, where do you see they, where they need to make improvements the most? Uh, I think it's um, with the mainstream media and uh, Paralympians have a lot to contribute and will have as each generation comes along and uh, people with disabilities in general have a lot to contribute and uh, we need to keep plugging away at the um, mainstream media and try uh, to get them to understand that what uh, Paralympians have to offer is every bit as valuable uh, as uh, anyone. Uh, hours of uh, hard work and uh, dedication go into what they do, just uh, as it is the case with, with Olympic uh, athletes. And so I, I think that's what we need to keep advocating for. Go ahead, Claire, with your follow-up. What sport and athletes are you looking forward to following uh, the most? Uh, Well, um, goalball. I'm always interested in in that. And uh, I'll be interested to hear how the uh, wheelchair rugby goes, uh, both because of what uh, Travis uh, just said. And uh, we have a Paralympian here in uh, Peterborough, Cody Caldwell, who will be uh, participating in uh, that particular sport. Uh, but but I'll be, I'll be uh, keeping an eye and an ear on everything that uh, goes on and uh, looking forward to uh, reporting those, and um, maybe we could talk a little bit about how people can access the podcast. I was actually just about to ask you that, Devin. Where can people listen to your podcast? Thanks, Josh. Um, they can either go to uh, info and note the info as opposed to org or anything like that, uh, the globalvoice.info and uh, check out the program gallery. Um, it's one of the first things that you'll see on the, the website. Or you can uh, use your uh, favorite podcatching software and uh, subscribe to um, Paralympic Update. It will start on um, August 23rd, uh, which uh, will lead up to the, the games. And uh, I'll have uh, a little bit of uh, history to pass along. And, uh, and then um, as soon as each day has pretty much ended over there, and don't forget that they're 13 hours ahead of us, um, I'll, I'll start um, sniffing around and, uh, to see what I can find. And uh, I'm also, in advance of the games, I'm also pulling together whatever articles I can find and uh, whatever interviews I can do. Devin, it's uh, really something that we all get the word out of the uh, Paralympic Games. We've been doing a feature on this program of different sports that uh, people can uh, see, learn about, etc. And I think this is one of the ways that Paralympic sports uh, really can can get out there and people know about it because I think right away when someone says I didn't even know if it's available to people they are going to tune in we've seen that you know and especially in the 2010 uh, Paralympic Games people came in droves and I think what you're doing is fantastic and uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today we really appreciate it and uh, best of luck with the podcast and I for one Cannot wait to listen.
terrific. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, enjoy the uh, Paralympic Games, everybody. We will indeed. That was Devin Wilkins, who is the Kelly and Company service and guide dog contributor and also is the host of Paralympic Update, which will begin on August 23rd, right till the end of the Games, and go to any of your podcasting platforms to get it. And uh, that'll be a great podcast to listen to as well. Coming up next, we're going to uh, switch gears to a few stories that I want to get to before we end the hour. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Neutral Zone on AMI. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Josh Watson and Claire Buchanan. Well, I thought we would kind of pick up the conversation from uh, Devin's interview. And one of the things we discussed last week was the documentary of Murderball. And one of the questions we didn't get to was whether... Documentaries like this will push forward um, the awareness of para sports, Paralympic Games. And I'm going to throw in Devin's podcast as part of that now, too. Is that what's needed to move the needle on para sports in general? Josh, start with you and then Claire. I think anytime we can get exposure on the Paralympics and Paralympic sport, or even just parasport in general, it's a very good thing. Whether we're talking about documentaries, as we did last week with uh, with Murder Bowl, or whether we're talking about podcasts or just mainstream network coverage of the Paralympics every four years, I think it's incredibly important that we let people know because. I personally have had people who have come out to watch me play sledge hockey. And once they see the game, they love it. And I even had one lady who told me that hockey was too violent and she would never watch it, become a convert and tell me that she wished she could come to more games because she enjoyed them so much, which I found really, really funny because I think sledge is somewhat more violent than regular hockey, but that's me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I completely agree. Anytime we can talk about uh, para sports and at any level it is a win, but this is a big reason and a big driving force as to why I'm going back to school in September for broadcasting and, and why I have the goals that I, that I do for myself. And it's, it's things like this. It's this exact idea that we aren't getting the coverage that we deserve. We see world championships for sledge hockey happening and only the gold medal game being shown. And the world and general public is just missing out on an entire incredible tournament where they're missing other teams being watched. And the Paralympic Games isn't showing enough coverage and fans aren't being brought in because like Josh said, they're just not giving the opportunity to see the game. Uh, once they see the game and, and see what these athletes are doing, they're, they're hooked and, and that's all it takes. And, and that's, I feel like it's a small, simple step. And I know it has a lot of layers and, 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 and tape around it. But um, at the end of the day, I feel like it's an easy step just to say, these guys deserve just as equal coverage as, as the Olympics are. And um, I don't really know what the pushback is there. Yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up about sledge hockey, because really, the only gold medal game that you see on, you know, conventional networks, TSN, 
are the ones that are in Canada. If they are anywhere other than in Canada, you see nothing of it on mainstream networks. Now, the the Paralympic Committee does a wonderful job in in streaming all sports, world championships, whatever the case is. But when we get to mainstream, it's like, oh, the easy answer is it's over here in Canada. Let's cover it. Uh, let's do it because we should and it looks good. What looks good, in my opinion, is when you put it on a channel that everybody can watch and everybody can see. When you put it on something that is streaming service, you're asking people to go look for it. And our mandate here on the neutral zone is such that we bring light to parasports, to, to all parasports in all levels. And we love talking mainstream sports, but realistically, what needs to be put out there is the parasport angle, Josh. It's because there's just not enough acknowledgement that it exists. Exactly. That is 100% accurate. It, th- there are sports that I watch at the Paralympics that captivate and enthrall me. And I know that if there was access to these events, that others would fall in love with them as well. I mean, these, these athletes are incredible athletes, just like the ones at the Olympics and just like the ones in major sports. There, there really should be a way, and we're at a time where why can't we have disabled sports leagues that are on ESPN and on TSN and on Sportsnet? Why can't the Paralympics get the same billing as the Olympics? As you mentioned, we saw in 2010 in Vancouver just how much people were drawn to those games. I had people who I worked with coming up to me all the time saying, oh, I watched the Paralympics last night, That this swimming event, it was amazing, or this, I didn't know there was wheelchair fencing, or, or the, the track and field races were amazing, the wheelchair races. People get hooked on this stuff and it doesn't even necessarily have to be because they're disabled athletes it's just it's good sport and people enjoy it yeah this uh sorry claire were you gonna jump in there yeah i was gonna say like at the beginning of the pandemic netflix released uh rising phoenix and in my mind that was a way bigger step than any Paralympics or broadcasting of the games has done. Because I know me, I, I ran out to all of my friends and family and on social media and said, you got to watch this documentary. And now there was, it, it brought in a lot more fans. And I have tons of people that are now excited and pumped to watch the Paralympic games because they just, they didn't realize or haven't seen sport competed at such a high level in such a different and unique way. And it's, it's things like that, that need to happen. Yes. We need to see it on mainstream channels when there's tournaments and stuff, but like we talked about last week, stuff like rising Phoenix needs to be on the mainstream uh, outlets like Netflix so that there's millions and millions of people watching it all at once. I couldn't agree more. I mm-hmm. want to give enough time uh, to this topic here because this is one that I am all too familiar with. And if you don't know the story, I'm going to fill you in. Becca Mayers, who is one of the favorites to bring home a medal for the U.S. Paralympic team in swimming, is forced is forced to withdraw because she is unable to bring her own support attendant. Now, I must tell you that she is a three-time gold medalist from 2016. So she is no slouch. And I'm going to lead this off by saying I think it is disgusting. I think it is distasteful. I think that she should have had more backing than she did 
with the U.S. Paralympic team because she is a medalist. And again, everyone should get the same treatment. But my goodness, how much better can it get when you are a three-time gold medalist at one Paralympic Games? I think it's crazy. I think the way that they handle um, the Paralympic accreditations and even the uh, conventional Olympics is ridiculous. They tell the organization, this is how many accreditations you get as a country. Now you divvy it up and you be the bad guy and tell each person why or why not they cannot get their own attendance. And I just think you're, you're putting these athletes at a disadvantage and it's not okay. And I am not happy about it. And I really would like to get Becca on our program because there needs to be a spotlight, guys, on this story. I think it is utterly ridiculous. Claire, let you go first. Yeah, I mean your your rage is is valid. It's it's disgusting. It's uh, these athletes. They're sending one attendant to quote unquote look after thirty athletes. Um, first of all, the wording is terrible. They're not children. They're not. We're not sending children to the Paralympics. Um, you see, class size is that big. Yes, one to thirty people, and it's 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 unrealistic and it's, it's unsafe. And like you said, it puts the athletes at, at a big disadvantage. Um, they Paralympic athletes and people with disabilities in general have those care attendants and those support people for a reason. And saying that they don't need them or that they're not as important is it's a slap in the face. I totally agree. However, I guess where I am going to take a slightly different turn on it is her notion that she couldn't take someone that she knew and trusted. I understand the value of personal care attendance. Please don't get me wrong. And the fact that there's only one for an entire swim team is absolutely not acceptable excuse me, acceptable. But at some point, we we have to understand that you may not be able to bring your own personal attendant, but you should have an attendant available to you. And it can't be one for 33 or 30 people. That's that's just unreasonable, and as you guys both said, it's unsafe. Uh, but this, this, as I understand it, her mom is her personal care attendant when she went to the, the games or when she goes to competitions. Sometimes you, you may not be able to have someone that close to you as, as your support, but you should still have someone who is a support, who is trained in how to support someone with your disability. And here's I the thing that's that I, clear. yeah, I I totally understand what you're saying, and I and I and I think where 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 we're all trying to get to is the intricacies that each athlete has, right down to how they dress which sock they put on first because they they are superstitious how is one person supposed to navigate 30 plus athletes to do that it is not possible it is not doable and when you are talking personal care you you cannot just say to someone a month two months before oh this is how you do this and this is how I'd like it done. And it's that simple. And then the person, he or she has to sit there with a chart, which I can only imagine is like the size of a uh, like big sheet Telephone of paper, book. trying to figure out who's what and where. And if times don't cross, how do you man- navigate that? Claire? It's just a nightmare. Oh, my goodness. Like, wow. Yeah, it's going to be a, I, I don't see it going smoothly at all. And it's unfortunate that athletes have had to step away and, and say no and stand up for themselves. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I wonder if we will hear any more coverage being put onto this issue 
during the Paralympics. It's, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, this is... I, 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 Sorry, go on. I'd like to be optimistic on that and say that this will get picked up as a story, but I just don't think so, unfortunately. I think it's probably a, a problem on many teams and it just gets pushed under the rug because you barely hear about Paralympic athletes. You, you certainly don't hear about the care that they require. So I wish it would, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's, uh, we're going to get uh, Scott Russell back with us in a couple of weeks um, to kind of go over the uh, the Paralympic Games as a whole and the sports and things of that nature. And I, it'd be interesting on his take as to what he knows on the media side and how much how much of that is is carrying through to the media side. Because you're right, I don't think it's going to be a top story, but I do think it's worthy enough to be a story because that was the reason why Becca did back out of the games themselves. Uh, and I just think that it could have been done differently, approached differently. And maybe you give her more, more time uh, to, to discuss this. I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is or, or to figure it out. I, I don't know. It just seems so not right to do it that way. But uh, anyway, that's the end of our show. We've run out of time for this week. I'd like to thank Josh Watson and Claire Buchanan. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Jeff Ryman, and our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen, and our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. We are off for a couple of weeks. We will be back, not next week, but the week after. Have a safe holiday weekend, and we will talk to you in two weeks with our next live broadcast. Take care and be safe. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.